This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. Hello, good morning. If it's morning for you, if it's not, good afternoon and good evening. Today's guest, I am so pumped. She's a bit of an icon of Byron Bay. It is the Plastic Free Mermaid, aka Kate Nelson. Now, this girl has been free of using single-use plastics for over 11 years now. She is a massive eco-warrior. She taught me so much stuff that I didn't know about microplastics, about the impact of just little things like planting your food scraps in the back of your in your backyard and like hidden plastics, microfibers, so much stuff. Um, I'm going to be really honest with you, a lot of it was kind of new to me or words I'd heard but didn't really understand. So I'm really excited for you. I hope you learn so much from this. She's really inspiring and she's so passionate. Please enjoy the wonderful Plastic Free Mermaid. (laughs) Kate Nelson. 20 squats, mate. (laughs) What's going on? That's right. The squats alarm went off and we had to do it. Thanks for joining me. You've inspired me. I think I've got to set this alarm and just do it. I can see myself on Christmas Day. Sorry, guys. Pause, Chrissy. That's right. Everybody up. You can have more pudding now or whatever you eat here at Christmas. Yeah. It's, what is it in America? Well, it's winter there, so we have like heavy dishes. Yeah. But I tried to bake cookies the other day and I just couldn't do it. It was way too, too hot. hot. So yeah, and hot. humid here. Yeah, yeah. You have been a dream to, I call it like an Insta stalk. And when I've got a guest on, I like deep dive and I'm like, oh my goodness, there are so many things I want to ask you. Of course, we've got to talk about your new book, Mm -hmm. but also plastic pollution. But there's one thing I'm nerding out about you, the free diving, the swimming with the sharks, whale sharks. I have Mm -hmm. done that too. Where did you go? I did it in the Maldives or Maldives. And I was like... I'm a little ant. I felt (laughs) tiny in comparison. But I love your love for the ocean because I've got a bucket list thing that I really want to do and I feel like I'm just going to say it now and then I'll get into the plastic stuff. Let's hear it. I want to free dive with orca whales in Norway. Amazing. Have you seen any of the videos of it? Yeah. Incredible. Orcas are also on my bucket list and I've been trying to do a mermaid retreat with them for so long, but they're so unpredictable. It's really hard to find. They're so wild, which is like the perfect, you know, it's it's such an incredible kind of connection to nature to really sort of commit to wanting to experience time in the water with an animal that is so wild and so hard to predict and so hard to find yeah. and have that is it'll make it that much more special I know and and up in Canada I think you can ca- like kayak, kayak with yeah. them and then you weren't too far from that because you grew up in Minnesota right yeah that's right so quite inland so yeah. we um I live in such a beautiful part of the world it's where all of the great lakes kind of spill into uh, the U.S., so it's like real, it's known as the land of 10,000 lakes. It's where the Lakers are from originally. It's really? Re- yeah, it's really puddly and foresty and beautiful. 
Um, and then it kind of flattens out to farmland in the Midwest there. Um, but yeah, then I, then I went to school in Santa Barbara on the coast and started. And that's where all this began, isn't it? Isn't this where you learn, holy smokes, plastic ain't so great. Yep, yep, yeah. And that's where <laughs> the activism started. Yep. Okay, help take me through. I love the story of how you quickly look like because I know I still remember my moment and it was mm. unfortunately it was reasonably recent when I was like I owned a smoothie bar and right. we had straws in the yep. smoothie bar and the switch over was so instant as soon as that doco came out. Which one? It was the I think, Plastic Ocean. Yeah, okay. I reckon yep. it was about three or four. It'd be about three to four, yep. maybe longer now. Yep, yep, about four years, I think. We'd have been only open for like a few months and we could like, wow. I'm talking overnight. We were like, we need to switch everything. Good for you. Over. But the best bit, the consumers were the ones that were like, don't, because you'd run out of the, right. good, the good straws mm-hmm. and you'd run out of them and you'd be like, what are we going to do? We've right. got the backup ones and people be like, no, I don't That's want them. That's amazing. Yes. See, I, yes. I love that story, Lola, because it shows that individual impact matters. Like it builds a collective impact. Like if, if we all vocalize and are, are, you know, let the people know why we're making that decision that, oh, sorry, I don't want to use the plastic straw. I'll just use a spoon or my lips, whatever. Yeah. It's so important to be um, vocal about those things so that they understand, oh, it's because it's the plastic. And you're like, I know, I watched the documentary yeah. too. And then you can kind of like bond over that. Yeah, it's, so cool. I love that it's becoming so socially acceptable mm-hmm. to bring your own, use your keep cup, all of, like yep. everything that you live doesn't feel like it's only a Byron Bay thing anymore. It feels like it, the consciousness is growing. That's right. So, But you have been plastic free for 10 years now. Yeah, Mate. almost 11. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> pretty impressive. Yeah. So w- what was that moment? So you yep. were were you already part of an organization? You were volunteering? So, uh, yeah, I I've I kind of grew up always volunteering. Like my yeah. family we always did lots of service and um as I grew up, I did a, I was a super nature kid and so all my service um tended to be more environmental. And I was involved in lots of environmental campaigns and organizations on campus. And then um, I was volunteering for Jean-Michel Cousteau's Ocean Future Society in mm-hmm. Santa Barbara. And I was working for a scientist there who was studying uh, microorganisms ingesting microplastics. And this was my absolute first introduction to plastics at all. And so I was like, I need you to start from the beginning. What on earth are you talking about? Mm. And she said, well, you know, plastic doesn't break down back into the environment like a banana peel. It breaks up into millions of tiny little pieces and they're irretrievable from the ocean or the soil or the environment, the air or the water. And microorganisms then ingest those tiny little particles. And so she was studying the, the toxic impact of those little microorganisms then making their way up the food chain full of plastic. And then it gets back to the big guys. Us. That's right. And it actually biomagnifies these. The toxicity really? gets worse as bigger things. It's crazy. And so I learned all this and I was floored. Like this was, yeah, 11 years ago, two thousand. Nine, and I was so horrified because I was in college at the time. So I was using pla- red plastic yeah. cups <laughs> at parties. In all the American oh, movies, yeah. <laughs> exactly like that, like beer pong and like yeah. flip cup, like a new cup every beer. Like it was just so wasteful. And so I had this massive awakening, but also getting coffees every day with plastic lids, uh. smoothies every day with plastic lids and straws and cups and salads. and the, I mean, just so much plastic. And so 
that was a moment where I was like, oh my gosh, this, my daily life, my use of this material that's just absolutely ubiquitous, it's in everything, is like desecrating my temple, the ocean where I go to for peace, for play, for adventure, for like my sense of wonder. It just was this horrible realization. And that's when I realized I had to quit plastics. And then you shared that journey with Insta, YouTube, everything you've done, because what I love, like deep diving and going all the way back over the years in your Instagram, you make it so attainable. Mm. Because I think, and this is where this podcast is called Fearlessly Failing, and I think it's really easy when you start to think, okay, I want to look after the environment a little bit more. Forget even the effect that xenoestrogens have on human beings as well. Oh, my gosh, I hope we get there. Yeah, totally, (laughs) totally. But, like, it can get overwhelming and you can be like, oh, my goodness, like, if you forget your keep cup, right, Mm -hmm. which has definitely happened to me. If I forget my keep cup and I'm like, okay, well, I'll just get my coffee and then I go to say no lid and then the lid's already on it and then then it's just – you feel like an uphill battle yeah. for the rest of the and day. And you don't want to shame the barista because you know they're so busy, but you also don't want it and you want to use the opportunity to teach them. I mean, honestly, failing is part of the cycles of change. Totally. It's part of it. So, like, I try to, you know, help absolve everyone of their eco guilt and any shame that they experience, but also prevent them from shaming anyone else because failing is part of it. And, you know, there's like six stages of change and and it's it's only a few of them when we're actually bringing the keep cup. It's like the first one we kind of like contemplate. We're, we're not even aware. We're just like semi-aware and then we're aware and then we're like contemplating making change or taking action. And then we're like preparing and, and we're taking action and then we fall off the wagon and we fail. And then we bounce back like that. It's It's an upward spiral. So we're not just like oh, I'm never coming back. It's like, oh, I I got the coffee cup or I totally forgot my keep cup or I got the thing in plastic or someone gave me something in plastic and it's like, I failed. But instead of saying, it's over, it's done, I'm off the wagon, we say, okay, how am I going to remember next time? I'll put it in my bag or I'll pre-make a meal and pack it in a glass or, you know, just make these things to set ourselves up for success again. Same with, I'm a nutritionist, so same with health. Mm. It's the exact same pattern with health. But I've also noticed there's this sense, and I feel like you do it perfectly, of just like owning who you are. Mm. So my baristas in Melbourne, which is where I lived before here, uh, they would get used to me because I'd give them my my keep cup, but it had medicinal mushrooms in the bottom of it. And mm-hmm. they're like, what is this? And I'm like, just <laughs> pop the coffee on top. It's all good. <laughs> and so I think, and then they would just laugh and get so, and it would be like the quirky Lola mm-hmm. girl was coming in. I think when you kind of own. yes yourself and your values, mm-hmm. then it becomes almost like a superpower where you're just like, yeah, that's who I am. That's and I right. feel like you have nailed that with the whole, I'm a mermaid. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. Thank you. I I think being confident helps, yeah. um, helps other people accept something that might be odd to them. So if you just own it and you say, here's my keep cup, here's, you know, and I think a big part of this movement is helping to normalize some of these behaviors too. Like we all know that bringing Tupperware or bringing our own cup or, um, you know, doing these sort of things that are better for the environment are not the norm, but we, they should be. And so it's up to us who have that awareness to help normalize them. And we have to be confident as we 
put these new things forward. Otherwise people are like, oh, weird, your own Tupperware. It's like, no, yeah, it's for the earth, you know, to help explain. And and if you need to, tell them you're a mermaid. Like if it's awkward and weird, you can just say, look, I'm from the ocean. It's filling up with plastic. Like I'm representing the mermaids here. Help me out. Yeah, (laughs) I love it. I love it. I read a quote in your book and I want to share it because it just, it hit home for me, but it is so simple as well. And it's every dollar we spend is either hurting or helping the environment and humanity. We must use our privilege beyond our personal gains to support the collective benefit. And I think that when that's your mantra and you get to vote with your dollar, Mm because I think some people also think, oh, I'm just one person. I'm not going to save the ocean. I'm not going to save the planet. Mm. But when you, that's your mantra and you know that every time you decide to shop at a local farmer's market instead of a big supermarket, you'd be cutting down on your plastic without even batting an eyelid, without even realising, you know, like I just think it comes back to that you do get to vote with your dollar, right? So true. And I love your story you shared from your smoothie bar that all those individuals were voting against straws. Yeah. And they added up to affirm your decision to get rid of plastic straws. Yeah. So those are all individual people voting with their dollar to support you at your amazing smoothie bar, but also saying, yeah, we vote for reusable or we vote for paper straws or whatever it was. And that collective, I mean, that's an incredible case study, you know, that from your own experience that I'll probably use going forward because that's super helpful information. That's data, you know, and, um, and it's so true that we're, we're creating the, the world that we live in and, and way more than our political vote counts because we know that, you know, politicians have it so tough. They have to, like, make everybody happy and they're under so much pressure. Mm. But every day our dollar can vote to support the farmers, the local farmers can vote to support the um, black or indigenous-owned business, can support the um, local makers, you know, and, and that is... Um, not only helpful in, in creating, literally investing in the a greener world that we want to live in, but also um, helping to fill our lives um, with more meaningful things, more meaningful experiences. You know, it's it's takes a little bit more time to go do your shopping at the farmer's market and then at the, you know, the farm, going to the farm where you can get your fresh eggs or whatever it is that you're getting from the local farms and your these individuals that you're supporting and it might take a bit more time than going to one store to get all your groceries and all your bath products and all your whatever, makeup, whatever it is, like at these big supermarkets. But your quality of life is so much richer. Oh, yeah. You know, to get to have those experiences with the farmer. And we're, of course, you know, in kind of a rural area, but they have representatives in cities and urban areas yeah. as well. And it's just having those chats, like... It's fulfilling. And they're often out in nature. So you've yep. got your biophilia, your healing power yep. by the nature, <laughs> your, your, you know, it's your fresh air, you're mm-hmm. feeling, you're probably like grounded and you're, I don't know, like versus the fluoro lighting. Yes. I get stressed out at the supermarket. Me too. <laughs> I get really anxious if I'm there for too long. Yeah. My boyfriend's a peruser. Like he can just take his time to, and I'm like, oh God, meet you at the car. Outside. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Can you explain to us why single-use plastics are kind of like so harmful to the environment, basically? Um, So, I mean, there's so much to say around this. Like, since the 1950s, 8.3 billion tons of plastic has been produced worldwide. So, basically, back in... um, 
plastic was invented, but it wasn't really adopted until after World War II yeah. when, um, you know, tons of mostly men went off to war and they incorporated plastic into lighter equipment, more durable equipment. And then at home, predominantly women were having to raise the kids and make all the food and also join TV the workplace. Dinner, and so right? TV dinner came out and just yeah. like wipe it all into the trash can. And um, so that's when it was really adopted. And it was like a saving grace yeah. back then. It was like, oh my gosh, thank goodness for this disposable material, lightweight, easy, super cheap. Like the oil industry was like, woohoo, everybody's getting rich, you know? So it was good at the time. It's just that we didn't understand, um, you know, ecology very well. We didn't understand that everything is connected, all of our ecosystems, and that if we create so much waste, uh, we don't have anywhere to put it. And um, the trash cans were filling up. And so it was actually the oil industry, the plastics industry that said, we need to figure out a solution to make plastic, um, you know, more acceptable or, or create some solutions around this because people's trash cans are filling up. So they invented recycling. Um, they invented the concept of it. They didn't uh, invest in the um, in industry or the infrastructure. So they were like, recycle, put it in the recycling bin. So everyone just started putting everything in a recycling bin. But it it's most plastics aren't actually recyclable. It's not cost efficient to do so. Um, so it all ended up in landfill, if not in our landfill, we exported it, shipped it overseas, predominantly to Southeast Asia, um, ended up in their landfills. So we thought we were recycling. We all felt good. So many people identified as environmentalists purely through using and participating in this system, but it was in fact just ending up as trash. And and in these poor countries, these countries that already don't have infrastructure to deal with their own waste, and now they have all this Western, or, or as they say, the Global North's trash building up too. So um, we know that about a garbage truck of, of plastic trash enters the ocean every minute. Like it's just, it just can't, it doesn't biodegrade, and it, it lasts on the planet for, you know, we think about a thousand years, and for us to use something that is disposable. We use it for, you know, the average lifespan is around 10 minutes for most single-use plastics. And then it lasts on the earth for a thousand years. Mental. Irresponsible. Mm. I've seen you a really good video about recycling. And even I was like, oh my God, the amount of times I've been like, this is recyclable. And just thought I've done the right thing, but it's either lined in plastic, like a coffee cup, for Mm -hmm. example, uh, or I've put the lid with something that's like made of cardboard or like yeah. I've I've gone, oh, well, they're the two in the one thing and they're completely not two in the one thing. Or I've always rinsed my recyclables, but I've well done. <laughs> but I've watched a lot of family members not. Yes. <laughs> and they these. just throw it in, crusted with food. Yeah, and, yeah it's so hard. <laughs> Mental, mm-hmm. right? So okay, I know I'm digressing a little bit, but like what are some simple things we can do if we're going to recycle? Yeah. Um, and this is like so the paradox, right? Because it's like I want to help people understand that recycling is a struggling industry, but we still need to participate in it. It's yeah. like try to avoid buying plastics because they're so hard to recycle. But if you do, you still have to recycle them. But you're right. We have to um, do a few things to ensure that they have the best chance at getting recycled. Um, so definitely rinse them. So well done you for rinsing all of your things. <laughs> Glass, metal, plastic, um, like clean all the stuff out of them and then let them dry and then put them in the bin. So in your, in your kitchen, wherever, you kind of want a wet and a dry bin. You want your wet bin to be your compost bin, all your food scraps, Mm -hmm. all that. Hopefully you're putting it somewhere in the garden. Um, 
And then you want your drive-in, which is your recyclables. And hopefully you start to minimize the trash, the waste that you create um, <clears throat> just by reusing and repurposing and um, buying unpackaged foods. In the drive-in, which is your recycling bin, you've got your metal, you've got your glass, and then you've got your plastics. Every region is different for what they yeah. accept. It's like, it's complicated. So like your local council is managing the recycling bin on your curb, but then they give it to a privately owned recycling company. So you have to call that company to say, hey, what can I put in my bin? And they're going to be like, great, you asked. They're probably not great at communications. I mean, maybe some are out there and like, go you guys. Yeah. <laughs> trying to hit, but like, it's, it's hard to communicate that stuff to their constituents because they're already so stretched budget-wise. Yeah. So you want to call and say, hey, what can I put in my bin so you can actually participate with the rules of your yeah. recycling system? If they're like, we take um, polypropylene, we take high-density polyethylene, we take... Um, you know, PET soda bottles with the lids on. So you clean your stuff and then you put the lids back on and you put it in. Maybe they take them with the lids off. So you have to figure yeah. out. Okay, got it. Um, it's just one call and then it's done. You can tell your neighbors, you know, it's like a community building activity. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. Yeah. I, want, I, I think as well, like I love my dad, bless his cotton socks, but I watched him one day put something that was clearly recyclable in the bin yep. bin, like that would go into waste and I was like what are you doing that's recyclable and he's like it all goes in the same place no right and, it's that, and I was like yeah no. and so like when he's not looking I'd go through the bin good for you that's great <laughs> yeah it's funny too because like there's there are some times where like like plastic shaming can be effective you know it's like as these little earth warriors we have yeah. to know our audience and if it's like all right, I saw dad put this plastic bottle into the waste <laughs> bin and it is not going to end up in the landfill. I'm putting in the recycling bin and we don't know where it's going to go, but it has a better chance of being recycled into a bikini or something in this bin. Yeah. And it's like, I'm going to offer, you know, you can like plastic tax people or have like a oh, plastic cute. cheat jar. So like if, if, um, or like a, a plastic swear jar and, and if people <laughs> I love it. use plastic, you have to tax them like a gold coin or something, you know? So you can make it playful for the people you live with. Um, and if, if you think like a bit of like public humiliation will help your family members or pe- your loved ones, if they can take a bit of teasing, that can be persuasive too. Do you know when I finished <laughs> nutrition school, I went through, I was living on the Gold Coast studying and I went down to Melbourne, visited my dad and I went through, I was like, 22, went through his cupboard and put cross and bones on all the stuff that I thought was poisonous. No way! Like a sticker? I drew it with a marker, like a permanent marker, and he was mortified (laughs) and, like, literally anything that had gluten, sugar, numbers, like more the additives, not so much gluten, but I knew he couldn't eat gluten. And so I was just, like, poison, writing poison on the (laughs) What? The ego of myself. I was like, you cannot eat this. And he's like, oh, my goodness, Lola, calm down. Um, but did it work? It actually has. He's come yeah. around for his – he's a vet, right? So people that care about mm. animals, they care about the bigger picture too, they naturally. Get it, yeah. So you mentioned something that I'm really pumped about and you said, you know, if we put things into a recycle bin, there's a better chance they might end up as a bikini one day. Mm-hmm. Now, I heard a podcast where you said often like it's the kind of – the fashionable thing now to be like, this is sustainable fashion, this yep. is made from upcycled um, bottles or whatever, you know, or yep. re- sorry, recycled bottles. And you were like, you know, some companies literally make the bottle and then turn yep. it. Is that, I, I was like mind blown. I know, I it's that. so sad. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, it's tricky navigating this, this, like the environmental movement is hectic because so many people are like, I care about the environment, I want to get on board, mm. but they're not 
a plastics expert. So how are they supposed to know what's legit and what's not? Because then you have suppliers out there who are like, oh, cool, the environmental market, recycled plastic, mark, there's a market for this. Let's supply them with what they want. But again, it's not cost efficient really to recycle plastic. You have to clean it because so many people are throwing dirty plastics into the bin. So they have to clean it, separate it, remove the glue and the label and all the dye, whatever, melt it down with like plastic and then... Um, and it's usually contaminated because it's so hard to get rid of all the glue and the mm. ink and the food, whatever. Mm. And then they have to mix it with a little bit of virgin plastic to make sure it's actually the quality that they want. Mm. Um, so that's a huge process. If they just are like, here's some bottles, let's just turn these straight into the thing, it's cheaper. So yeah. it's really tough to navigate. Um, and that's why I'm such an advocate for transparency. Yeah. And it's really difficult for companies just starting out to be transparent because usually they've had to make a few um, sacrifices in their ethics or, um, you know, just along the way to actually be able to afford to do the thing. Rarely does someone starting up, can they do it perfectly environmentally? You know, a lot of the big B corporations have had to make sacrifices uh, yeah. And big businesses, even Patagonia, you know, like they haven't all been able to do 100% perfect. It's, it's impossible to be 100% perfect. Yeah. We just Ugh. have to like live in a cave and eat berries. And even then we're still going to create waste. So it's how do we manage even that small, tiny little footprint? So I think the best thing to do is to always just ask questions. Um which, like, as you know, having been a business owner, like, it helps inform what your customers want as well. So, um, as you say, where is this made? What is it made from? Where do you get that material? What's the process? And that helps them become more accountable as well, because maybe they haven't asked those questions and they're like, oh, like, I should find out. Like, I just was at a dress shop earlier this um, today and I was like, what's the button made of? She was like, oh, I'm not sure, you know? So like, is it shell or is it fake shell? Yeah, <laughs> it's just like totally. trying to figure out, you know, what are these things that we're using? What, cause that's again, voting to support the yeah. world we want to live in. If it's real shell, okay, how is it harvested? Was it sustainable? You yeah. know, like what's the process? What are we actually buying? Cause that's the world we're creating. I'm a crystal girl and I've had a lot of people write to me though and go, have you bothered to find out right. where and how that's been where it's come from, the ethic and the the method to obtaining this crystal. And I was like, shivers, no. Yep. Yep. I just thought it was a hippie crystal that was gonna make me feel good when I put it under my pillow. Like yep. and and I was and I saw a post you did and it was like gone in the days that we get to live blissfully in ignorance, you mm-hmm. know? And I think now is how we've got to be like, hey yeah, where was this mind? That's like right. where did this come from? What is mm-hmm. And think like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful and like feel so fortunate to have a network that holds me accountable, you know, because like I'm an expert on plastics and I can talk all about that, but I'm not an expert on everything. You know, how could I be? That would be ridiculous. That's why I purposely try to say, look, guys, I don't have an opinion on these subjects because it's healthy to not be a warrior for every cause, yeah. Yeah. you know, like that would just so draining when we try and get into all the battles on those things. But Let's be um, compassionate and supportive as we all figure all these things out. Because, yeah, like crystals have such an impact. And I'm like a big crystal face roller. Like I love a jade egg. You know, like there's all these things that I love. And I was the same. I had no idea where they came from. And I was like, oh, my gosh, how responsible. But that is so 
part of the journey. We're just keep awakening, (laughs) keep growing, keep learning. Big time. And I think it comes back to how you were saying that cycle of like failing is actually we learn from it every time. Yeah. And and also why we need to stay humble because like we're never going to know everything. You know, we're never going to be 100% perfect. I make mistakes all the time. You know, I've found um, so many plastics in my life over my journey that I'm like, oh my gosh, that's single use plastic too. Like, and you just keep expanding the awareness outward and like welcoming other people and not shaming or, you know, it's just like this beautiful journey. Do you know, (laughs) right before you came here, my boyfriend's like, I think we live a pretty plastic free life. I was like, mate, go into the bathroom. (laughs) I was like, and and I'd recently seen a photo that you put up um, where you were like, this is what your shampoo bottle will look like in a year or two at Ocean. Mm -hmm. And it's these little cut up pieces of hard plastic basically. The macroplastics. Yeah, yeah. like confetti kind of thing almost. And I was like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) Like, so um, can we talk microplastics quickly? Mm -hmm. Take it away because that's something that is very new to me. Yes, yeah. So um, like I said, plastic doesn't break down, but it does break up. So it's it does um, degrade. Um, it weakens. We've all seen our like camping tarp start to flake away little bits or we've seen um, something melt in the microwave. We know that it does um, degrade, especially in sunlight, in heat, um, in different conditions. It will eventually um, start to degrade. And those little bits that flake off, uh, those are called microplastics. So there's different stages. You've got macroplastics, which are about the size of a fingernail. And then the microplastics are a bit smaller. They're like um, a sesame seed on to, we can't see with the naked eye. And then you've got nanoplastics, which are, are not visible Tiny. to the naked eye. Yeah. So those are kind of what we find on the beach cleans, mostly these little macroplastics. And we see we don't see lots of reds or yellow or oranges washing up on the beaches because that's what fish can see underwater. So that's what they're eating. So it's the blues and greens and whites and blacks that wash up on the ocean. It's really interesting. And especially you'll see them along the tide line. So next time you guys go on your beach walk, just look at that tide line and see, you know, that's a great place to start to pick up little things yeah. and you can do art with them or, mm. you know, put them in a little jar or whatever. Um, but those are those are the tiny little plastics we have to look out for because that's what's going to then break down into the nanoplastics which we cannot retrieve. Uh, it's it's the a lot of people's plastic awareness or their awakening uh, begins with a cleanup like a beach cleanup. They're yeah. like, oh my gosh, plastic! I get it now. And then you once you see the plastic matrix, you can't unsee it like you're just like oh my gosh that's plastic that's plastic oh you're at the beach you're like cigarette butts oh my gosh plastic bottle whatever and you you start cleaning up which is like such an important stage in your plastic journey because it once you've done a bunch of cleanups you're like oh my gosh I cannot contribute to this mess because even when you put it in a trash can you don't know if that trash can is going to fall over or the wind's going to get it or whatever it's like when you throw something away, that's such a vague Mm. term. Like, where is away? Where is it going? It's so not done with its journey. You know, it's like I've got a thousand years left on the planet. So like being responsible for your own plastic is, um, that's why I keep a trash jar so I can keep track of all the plastic I use. 
Ah, which is harder in partnership because you're like, am I responsible for your plastic too? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and they're like, I'm not plastic free mermaid. Like, do I have to be? You know? And I'm like, you have to. But <laughs> crack them you know, Yesterday morning, and I'm so glad you mentioned you noticed it. Even just you'll see it on the tide line. Mm. Um, yesterday morning at sunrise, I was doing a, a shoot at Brunswick mm. Heads, and as I walked back to the car in the car park, there was that little sushi fish plastic. Oh, yep. And I walked past it and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Caught myself within about a second or two and I walked back and I was like, pick that little thing up. That's I'll right. I did throw it straight in the bin, but now I'm going to probably start collecting my trash just out of interest yeah. for more of an experiment as well, you know. But yeah, and you can always tag me so I can see, so I can be like, you go, yeah. give you that positive affirmation. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing that got me started as well, and I know you're friends with Tim Silverwood, yes, but yeah. the take three for the sea, I that's would right. always just be like, it's so easy to implement. That's right. And Another amazing legend who made it so accessible, right? It's like if you see a huge beach of plastic, you're like, I don't have time to clean this whole beach, but I can take three pieces. Right. And one, my one hand that's free. Like it's so such a great motto. Can you explain to me just on the microplastics, yep. microfibers? Yes, great, great that's distinction. really new to me. Yeah, really okay. Really so um, you, you know, the majority of clothing these days is – is made of synthetic fibers. So instead of cotton, we're using plastic in our clothing uh, because it's so cheap. Oil is so affordable. I mean, it's it shouldn't be. It's not actually cheap for the planet, but it's been subsidized so heavily because the oil industry is so powerful um, globally. So uh, that that resource, that extraction process, the production, all of that is subsidized so that oil, so that plastic is so cheap. Um, we... Like I think, I think like there's so many different kinds of plastic thread. Um, so there's uh, rayon, nylon, elastine, um, so spandex. Uh, I'm forgetting a bunch, but there's lots. So you can start looking at your tags of your clothing and start to see what um, has plastic in it. And what I advise is to try and buy as much natural clothing as possible so that um, you're wearing natural things, you're supporting the natural, like the, the businesses using those, those natural fibers, but also so that your wastewater when you wash your clothes doesn't have these plastic fibers. Anytime we wash our clothes in a laundry machine, the gyration um, shakes up fibers. So um, thousands of fibers are shaken loose every wash. If you have natural clothing, it's just natural fibers that are washed out into the waterways, which are fine. Mm-hmm. If you have plastic clothing, it's plastic microfibers that are washed out mm. in our waterways. Um, and this is detrimental, of course, because we can't see these with our eyes. So the little microorganisms, again, are ingesting these, these microfibers. And thousands upon thousands of fibers are shaken loose. And so um, they're really hard to avoid, right? Like I live in activewear. Same. And even my bamboo has a small percentage of plastic because it performs so well. And there's nothing that we have so far. Uh, there's no fiber that will stretch out and also stretch back. So all of our activewear and our swimwear all has to contain recy- or plastic, mm-hmm. some sort of plastic, like 5%, 10%. So you want to try and get natural with a low percentage of, of that stretch. Usually it's elastine. Um, if you're getting swimwear, try to get recycled. Now, this is an opportunity for us to ask and ask for transparency and say, are you sure there are recycled plastic bottles? They weren't just bottles. You know, that's like an opportunity to get clarity on that and to also... Um, help the the brand or the the designer to really tighten up their um, to make sure that it is legit. So 
I personally wash my activewear, anything that has plastic in it, in a bucket in the backyard. And then I just chuck that wastewater in the garden that's contained, not my food garden, but like flowers. Um, that helps contain the fibers. Obviously, I'm hardcore. Do what works for you, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. And and there are, it's it, uh, the problem, it's just something that we really need to handle because the plastic fibers are one of the biggest polluters. Um, if you think about it, we may be eating from the farmer's market, growing our own food, um, but we all wear plastic clothing. We just can't avoid it. Mm. So um, the the wastewater, the treatment plants that that filter usual things out of the like toxins and things like that they can't filter out the plastic particles it's they're too small so that just goes straight out to the ocean mm. so it's a huge thing that humans like especially western or the global north companies or countries are contributing to ocean pollution so much through these fibers in fact there was a study um done about the different types of plastic pollution in Indonesia, in the fish they were finding in Indonesia and in um, Northern California near San Francisco, mm-hmm. fish markets in both places. And um, the the, the uh, fibers found in the San Francisco study were probably four times higher than they were in Indonesia because they don't have as many plastic clothing. Mm. They don't have as much like washing. But in these urban environments, we're washing so much more clothes. So whilst Indonesia had more like kind of food packaging plastics, our fibers coming from Western countries are just insane. We really need to get a hold on that. So the best thing people can do is start to read their label and kind of question yep. the companies a little bit because there are a lot of sustainable, well, eco-friendly, sustainable, organic, like you see these names thrown around with the marketing scheme. And that's just greenwashing unless you as a consumer really hold them to it. So yeah. really check the label, check their processes, make sure that it's actually environmental, which is a little bit more effort, but... It's rewarding if you know you've invested in something legit. Can you explain greenwashing? Yeah. So um, it's basically, I mean, it's like this is, it's one of my favorite topics because there's so much to like bust and call out in greenwashing. Like it's, it's where um, you think, you know, you advertise something as environmental, but it's not actually environmental. Uh, so you've washed something that isn't maybe like a white picket fence, but you've washed it green and you're like, it's eco because it's yeah. green. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like all these natural, anything that has a natural label or a leaf on it, um, or it says green, all of these marketing claims, as you said, that are not regulated, are not enforced. There's no certification that is, that they've had to go through to be able to claim green or eco or natural or, um, any of the, even plastic free. Like no one is, um, no one is, is regulating these claims. So it's all greenwashing. It's all just like claiming to be eco. And we're so, we fall for it because our ethics, our heart is in the right place. And so we're like, it's, and that's what I say about, um, with veganism as well, with any sort of like hard, um, boundary we set ethically, uh, in, in, with any sort of ideology that we choose to kind of like, um, attach or align with, it's like, all right, yeah, hold your boundary. But if you have just a one sentence definition that you're adhering to, you, you better be open. You better be, um, doing a lot of research to back that up. You know, like I'm plastic free, but what does that really mean? Like I have to go and like look at all these labels um, to know what's in my clothing to make sure I'm really plastic free. You know, I have to go so deep on all that. If you're, if you're um, just reading 
eco, green, natural, you have to read the ingredients. If you're just reading gluten-free, you have to read the ingredients to make sure it's actually healthy for you. You know, you're trying Big to make time. a decision for your health. Yeah. You know, it's like go deeper than just believing the company, this massive company that's like, oh, we'll just put green on the label and we know people will buy it. We'll just package it in like cardboard and we, we know people will be like, that's eco. Like we have to be a little bit more committed to the cause in order to see through all this bullshit. I freaking love that you just went there. So thank you for sharing. Because mm. even for me, I know that I've 100% fallen victim and probably been a little bit lazy if I'm honest. I mean like, oh, yep, that says sustainable. I'm, yep. I'm going to buy that. Mm-hmm. Without, because you trust them. Yeah, but you, but we know, I think, and I teach all my nutrition clients, I'm like, be a detective. Yes. Flip yep. the label over. Exactly. If it, I always say to people, it feels like you're in year 11 chemistry class, the ingredient list. Mm. It's probably not going to nourish the body and the, the meal might outlive you. Like you don't wow. want that, right? Yeah. And it's the same kind of thing. Like um, what I love about your book, I Quit Plastics, which Anybody that is listening to this going, oh, I want to learn more, it feels a bit overwhelming, but I know I want to learn more. What I love about your book, it's got a bit, is it 60 DIY recipes for just kind of like changing your life? But this is what, why I'm so pumped to have you on the podcast. You're so approachable and Mm. because you're anti the guilt thing, it's like, hey, have you thought about trying this? Mm. And you've got recipes for toothpaste and shampoo, but also like raw vegan treaties. Yeah, and (laughs) chips and crackers and dips, (laughs) all the usual plastic stuff. Yeah, But I – and that's what I love about your book. It's very approachable. It's very – just easy and I don't think you feel like and I don't feel like I need to implement all of this overnight tonight I can just feel a bit inspired and be like oh I'm gonna try that Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna take like even after preparing this podcast I was like boss we need to figure out our shampoo and conditioner boss is my nickname for my boyfriend (laughs) brother and and you know it's just little things so anybody that wants to learn more out there especially DIY stuff I would highly recommend your book I Quit mm. Plastics which is now available on your website as well yeah. isn't it Yeah yeah and lots of independent little bookstores around Australia yeah. I saw yeah. and Booktopia which is where I order I love ordering all my online because mm. it's so fast um Okay. But that's a great, I just want to say that you don't have to DIY your way into this lifestyle too. Like we are so fortunate that so many little markets are popping up. So many makers, you can buy shampoo bars, you can buy toothpaste tabs. You know, there's so many plastic free options out there. And then you're supporting an individual who is into DIY. Yeah. I've seen you with your bamboo toothbrush. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a lot of greenwashing out there. So if you need advice on the right people, please come find me, Plastic Free Mermaid on all the channels because I will help you navigate what is real and what's not. Like the bamboo toothbrush, there's only one that has actually 100% bio-based bristles. Really? Most of them are like eco toothbrush, 100% biodegradable, and they're not. So that's a big one that a lot of them don't even realize too. Wow. I know. <laughs> Mental. Yeah. I got sent like a sustainable, compostable, biodegradable gift yesterday, but it was in a plastic, like plastic bubble. Like, no. like, and I was just like, oh. But yeah. even me, like I own a coffee company and we um, send out our coffee, but we wrap it usually in um, – the more, I don't know what it's called, but it's like the, the cool, it looks like woodsy paper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The gem, yeah. It's called gem paper, but basically it's like it's the more. With the slits in it? Yes. Yeah, that. yeah got it. I don't know yeah. what it's called though. Um, yeah, I can't remember. But some, when we first started, the boxes of coffee were all getting squished in the mail and we oh. started using bubble wrap because we were like it's the only thing that's going to protect it. So I can, I understand both mm-hmm. ends. Like 
as the consumer, you want to make the right choice. And my mum, who's like full eco warrior, called me up straight away and she's like, (laughs) what's going on with the coffee packaging? She was like, do not you even figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what yeah. a legend. Mermaid mama. Oh, big time. <laughs> Mum used to go to my smoothie bar. She was like, I've got my own container. Yeah. And she'd get us her coffee date smoothie made every every week. And she'd bring her own, like, um, we did a Snickers slice, which I know you, you oh, yeah. Um, and she'd just bring a little plate and she'd like, put it on my plate. I'll have it here. Love her. Yeah, no, she's, as a kid, she'd always be like, we're buying our worm garden today. We're setting up. She's always been. That is amazing. We have so much to learn from like our oh. elders and the kids too. Like it's just such a lesson and in listening intergenerationally. Like the kids are so onto the dolphins and the turtles. Yeah. And like the adults, many of them like remember back in their day when they did more, they had the milkman or whatever. That's what we need to remember and start implementing more of these reuse, repurpose systems because that's what really works. That's the real solution none of this disposable stuff my mom said with covid stuff she's like you know we're actually living a more simple lifestyle because we were you know at home more we were cooking more meals from scratch we weren't getting fast food we weren't getting takeaway we were and she's like you know this is how she's like my grandparents lived wow and I was like mate and and you quickly figured out it was did you, um, like, because I, I felt that way too. Like up here we we started growing way more food. Yeah. Um, everybody, like you couldn't buy chickens because everybody was buying chickens. And, you know, it was just like. Amazing. So, <laughs> like the, everyone, were, Bunnings was sold out of seedlings. Like it was just so cool. But in the States, in L.A. in particular, and, and um, a lot of my friends were saying that they were just ordering everything, all the food. Um. Like they were ordering way more food online. So they were getting so much more delivery. So it was just more and more plastic containers. Did you experience that at all? Or? In, so Melbourne, where I lived before this, we had two lockdowns. So in okay. the first one, which was shorter, it was yep. six weeks. It was the same one that I think was national. Yeah. Um, yes, everyone okay. was like, uber yeah. like just take away, take away. But I think people felt like their health was compromised mm. at the end of that. And I put on a bit of, they call it the COVID kilos in yeah, Melbourne. Yeah, true. And so the second time around, I don't think that happened as much. Okay. Because, well, I know within my community we were – Matt and I we were like, oh, we feel like a treat. Let's let's go get some armor meal and let's, you make know, it. make it from scratch. Yeah. And the, I remember the only thing we actually went out and bought was a pie dish that we kept using over and over again to oh, keep making it. So for us it worked well, but I get that everybody's having yeah. a different experience. I do quickly want to talk to you about the harmful effect of xenoestrogens yeah, and great. plastics on human beings because yes. even if – You've got here because of the environmental picture. It's also okay. the the picture on your own health. Uh, oh my gosh, I I love talking about this because I've had probably three major plastics awakening uh, awakenings in my journey. Um, first, when I realized that I was con- you know the first major awakening where I was like plastic doesn't biodegrade and I use so much of it on a daily basis, I have to quit this stuff. Uh, and then kind of just realizing that everything was a single use plastic, like nothing, we can reuse a lot of things, we can repurpose a lot of things, but it's still just packaged, you know, all these uh, shampoo bottles and trip chip bags, all of the stuff is single use. And then the Lab third, wrap. Oh my uh. gosh, like it's so bad and it's never, yeah. So that was another hard one. And then the third big one was that it actually acts like estrogen in our body. So we are, um, we are basically dosing ourselves with this sex hormone. And we have receptors around our body for different hormones, like hunger. We have way more receptors for, for estrogen around our body, way more than hunger or any other hormones. So um, when we uh, ingest or 
Um, we mostly ingest ingest plastic through um, a variety of, of means, which I'll get to. But when we expose ourselves to this estrogen, it's triggering all of these receptors all over our body, telling our body, which can't tell the difference between synthetic estrogen and the natural occurring hormone. It's telling our body, estrogen, 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 which leads to weight gain, which leads to um, reproductive disorders, which lead to mood fluctuations. Like it, it kind of has that effect, like you're pregnant or like you're on your period. Like it, it's a, it's an understandable reaction and it's causing, um, you know, a lot of really negative health impacts, not just, uh, globally in, in communities all over the world, because everybody, no one is immune to plastics. We're all so exposed to it because it's such a ubiquitous material because it's so cheap, which is, yeah, a reason to just try and phase it out. Um, yes, for the whales and dolphin in the environment. Um, yes, because it's the responsible thing to do, but also because we want to prevent against our own, uh, um, diseases. We want to prevent against yeah. heart disease, cancers. I mean, it's a, if you think about it, it's a swelling, it's a growth, um, impact. It's causing cells to grow and to, so that's, um, that's cancer, that's obesity, that's heart disease. Um, and that is, it can, because it's a sex hormone, it can affect our reproductive system. So it can lead to infertility. Yeah. Do you want me to go into how we expose ourselves Do to it. this? Do okay, it. Yeah, cool. go there. Okay. So. <laughs> So there's two ways, like we have the flakes, so the actual particles. So we know that um, anytime we crinkle plastic wrapping or or a chip bag, or we take a lid on and off, any sort of um, touching of that plastic uh, sheds little plastic particles, little microplastics. Um, even walking on synthetic carpets or drawing synthetic curtains or um, sitting in a synthetic chair, like all of that is causing that plastic to adjust and rustle and shed these little plastics. Um, so, and plastic is really buoyant. We've all seen a plastic bag in the wind, like it hovers in the air. So it's in the air, it settles as dust. Um, we breathe it in. So we're inhaling so much plastic, especially at stoplights and stop signs, like all the tire dust, we're breathing that all in. So like, hold your breath, <laughs> roll <up> the windows. <laughs> um, but so we can inhale it. It also sheds into the chips or it, um, sheds into the water bottle or wherever. Uh, and so then we Is drink it, true, it. Um, that plastic kind of receipt paper, you know, when you give yes. it in a receipt? EPA, it's coated in it plastic. Is. Yeah. So you don't touch your receipts, yeah. don't get them, do it all electronic, yeah. um, take a picture and then let the uh, cashier throw it away. Some people carry like a special container for their receipts. If they still keep them, um, you can have them put the receipt in there, you know, yeah. <laughs> exposing them to the plastic. Yeah. Uh, so that's when you just, don't, you don't want to touch those. It's a really toxic plastic. Um, and so, but that's, that's more the chemical. That's the yes. leaching. So, okay. so we're still on particles. So the Got particulate it. plastic shedding it, we inhale it, we drink it if it's in, um, uh, shedding from our Tupperware container, whatever. Then we have the, the chemical exposure. So, um, not only does plastic degrade over time and flake these nasty little particles, but it also is infused with all these different chemical additives. So, um, you know, different chemicals to give it color or, um, op opacity or malleability or flexibility or whatever it is to give it plastic, all these other wonderful characteristics that we love plastic so much for. It, all these additives and chemicals, they all mash up to make this crazy, um, 
usually toxic mm. combo that is mm. um, not labeled anywhere. So we don't know what we're actually being exposed to. But we do know that most of the plastics that are labeled with the little greenwashing recycling number on the bottom, even those plastics are toxic. So they leach their chemical toxicity into whatever they're containing and often into the air. So when they're fresh, brand new plastics, um, they'll off gas. So a lot of those chemicals will just like seep out into the air. So when you get in a brand new car and you smell that brand new car smell, that's the plastic off gassing toxins. <laughs> oh yeah, you know that's bad. You can feel that yeah. that's bad for you. <laughs> so, so not only are they doing that, but um, there's three like circumstances for, for plastic to leach these toxic chemicals. Um, heat, uh, fat, and duration. So anytime plastic is holding something hot, so... Um, coffee. Coffee. Because that lining's no good, right? It's plastic. Even the plant-based linings, they're, they're, it's not just a leaf in there. There's some chemical additives that have been added to this bio base, and we don't know what they, those are. Even most of the distributors don't know what they are. So do you want to risk it or do you want to just bring your own cup that's like ceramic and beautiful and yeah. you're like just looking like a legend at the cafe? <laughs> um, I just think like that's my motto is just keep it simple and you yeah. don't have to worry about what you're exposing your body to. We're already exposed to so many toxins and pollutants. Like, totally. Keep it simple. So yes, heat. Um, if you put something hot into plastic, that plastic is definitely leaching into your beverage. If it's hot out, if you're in a hot climate like we are all, and you're like – you know, um, plastic bottles are being delivered to a restaurant and then they get put in the fridge, but it's hot when they're being delivered, that plastic is leaching into the water, regardless of whether they make it to a fridge later in their life. Um, so heat causes plastic to leach these toxins. Uh, fat, so these toxins are lipophilic, so they're attracted to fat. So again, if you have a hot coffee, um, or say you have a cold coffee and you're in a plastic cup, but you put milk into that coffee, then the plastic is still going to leach because it's like, ooh, what's that fat? We're going to go over there and it goes to that. Um, this is true for also like beauty products and things that have fat in them. Most of them have hate. Most of them have creams and, you know, all these oils and things that are so good for our skin, but not if they're stored in plastic. Because, I mean, mm. the plastic, like these toxins are aging for sure. Like they're causing us to have all sorts of um, health problems that we are not going for when we're using beauty products, you know. Um, so fat, you know, this is also like our, our takeaway containers. If you put hot you know, noodles with oil, like it's leaching all toxins into your food. It's just not worth it. Um, and then the third is duration. So it's like any time frame, plastic's going to leach, but especially if it's been sitting on a shelf for a while, it's slowly making its way into whatever it's containing. Dude, I, do you know I could talk to you all frigging day <laughs> about this? I just want, just for listeners that are like, okay, I'm, I, uh, I'm yeah. inspired. I'm ready to go. What are three? If you, if people could just do three things today, yep. uh, to look after, yes, the ocean, also ourselves, and mm. Mother Nature in general. Um, I think incorporating reusables into your daily routine. Mm -hmm. So bringing your reusable water bottle is a super healthy practice to bring. I mean, just so good to stay hydrated. Uh, and also just to have that vessel on you in case you want to get a coffee in there or you want to get some kombucha or whatever. Um, if, if coffee is your thing, bring your coffee cup, keep it in your bag, maybe bring a, um, reusable produce bag to put your coffee cup in so it doesn't spill all over things. You know, start to build these habits. If you're going to have reusables, then the second thing is that you need to incorporate a washing routine into your life. So like 
switch your mindset around washing up because it's going to be an essential part of your life if you're going to replace disposable plastics with your reusables, which is my first tip. So the second tip is to switch your mindset around washing. You want to rinse all your reusables straight away so that they don't get crusty with coffee, with a smoothie, whatever. You've rinsed them at the cafe or, you know, wherever. And then at home, it's less of a process and less of a chore Mm. to keep these things clean. Um, and you build a positive association with this this reuse system that you've implemented in your life. So bring reusables, wash up, and then the third is to, um, uh, I would say, buy fresh food. Just start supporting your local farmer farmers. You know, most of our plastics that we're incorporating or we're bringing into our life that we're exposing ourselves to is packaged around food. So. Um, start buying more fresh fruits and vegetables. They're healthier for you anyways. Yeah. And you'll probably need a compost system because if you don't have the, the packaged food, then you're going to have the natural packaging, which is the skins and the pits yeah. and the seeds. So um, try and plant those seeds. You'll be surprised. A lot of them will grow and otherwise throw them out. And then I'm just going to say a fourth one because maybe I can yeah. combine the first two. Um, <laughs> and don't be afraid to make stuff. Try to make your own toothpaste, make your own deodorant. The recipes are so simple. It's so basic. It's like coconut oil, bicarb, arrowroot, or cornstarch, like that's deodorant. It's done. So yeah, just get a little bit more involved in the things that you use and put on your body. Oh, do you know my next challenge? I'm going to get rid of my bin liners because yes. I saw that on your Instagram. I was like, that's my next Good phase. for you. We've got a backyard now so we can plant out. Good for you. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm going to end on a beautiful quote I found actually on your Instagram. Mm. What if we only took what we need? How good, right? Mm, So true. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your time. I'll put all your Insta links, your YouTube links, book link. I can't speak highly enough of Mm. I Quit Plastics. Love it. Um, Also, I'm going to hold you to an orca whale retreat one day. And I'll be the first person signing up. I'll be petrified, but I I just love orcas so much. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. Great call. I'll do it. Awesome. (laughs) Done deal. Thank you. Thank you, Lola. That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at yummololaberry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and comment. And of course, spread the love. Mm -hmm.